This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Paraswap. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Coin Gaming. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. What is up, everyone? I was gonna do like a whole like a whole type of pan thing, but then the editors were like, "Don't move the camera." But what is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching Untold Stories, where twice a week together. We get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders, brilliant people in the room to understand where we came from, where we are right now, and where we're going. I mean, I'm really excited to have been doing the show this morning because of the epic move that Bitcoin made last night, going up like $9,000 in, in the middle of the night. Everyone wants to know what's going on. And to tell us what's going on in that world, how it relates to stocks, how it relates to to basketball and mathematics, we've all seen Moneyball, is my good, good friend, Luke Lango. Luke, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories today. Hey, Charlie. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Dude, it's, it's, been, um, it's been such a wild ride uh, getting to know you over the past few months. Uh, we're going to be uh, working together over the next few years and, and building up uh, some amazing things, helping take people out of what we've been doing together is helping take people out of like debt out of their 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 day-to-day lives their paycheck to paycheck lives and bring them out into this like whole nev- next level of of sovereignty of of personal sovereignty and that's been like our ethos together uh for so many years yeah yeah it's, that, that's exactly right charlie i mean we are at the uh the tipping point of a tectonic shift in society you know it it, it spans uh more than cryptos it goes into technology it goes into ai it goes into so many different things and uh you know if you're on the right side of this shift then your life will change for the better and if you're on the wrong side of the shift well uh let's just make sure we're not on the wrong side of that shift how about that <laughs> that's that's really what it's about that's what we've been trying to tell people for for years it's just don't be on the wrong side of it there's it doesn't. I don't understand why you have so many naysayers all the time uh, writing for these mainstream media constantly. You know the Bitcoin obituaries every day that Bitcoin is dead, and you see that, and it's it never does. Why be on the wrong side of things? So, Luke, I'd like I'd like for you to tell uh, your story and and give everyone a background of you know how you were studying. Uh, you were playing sports in college. You were studying in Caltech. You were understanding. You started to understand mathematics and how it all relates. You started to figure it out through through uh, uh, started studying markets and understanding stocks, and you ended up becoming years later the number one world stock picker. Tell us through that whole story and how and how it all relates, and when you figured out that there was such a relationship between math, sports, and uh, financial markets. Right, right, Charlie. So you know. I'm a Moneyball guy. I mean, you said it yourself, Moneyball, the movie. That, that's been an inspiration for me. Uh, that's kind of how I got started was through Moneyball-type work. Um, really? You know, through and through, since, since day one, I've had two life passions. One is sports and the other is mathematics. Um, I have always loved basketball and I've always loved numbers. You know, when I was little, I used to create fantasy leagues in my head where I would I would like simulate a game in my head and play it out. And then I would go to my Excel spreadsheet. This is when I'm like a fifth grader, sixth grader. And I would like create fake box scores of like these fake players. And I would have fake standings for the end, my fake NBA league, 2050, whatever. Right. Uh, so I was always about trying to, you know, just, just use numbers and sports and combine the two and just have fun with it. 
So, um, you know, through that, my journey kind of led me to, to playing ball in college at Caltech. And, um, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, and while there, I sort of took my data and sports love to the next level. And I linked up with, uh, Fred Clare, who's the former general manager of the Dodgers and actually was the GM of the Dodgers when they won the 1988 world series. Uh, fabulous man, um, wow. really smart man, but an even better human being, super cool guy. Um, he and I linked up. He was a professor of a Moneyball class at Caltech. He co-taught a Moneyball class at Caltech when I was a freshman. I took that class. I fell in love with with understanding sports data analytics um, and applying that to to actionable causes. Uh, after that class, we uh, became buddies. He started a sports data business called Scoutables. I jumped wow. in that business immediately as soon as Fred asked me to. And man, that was, that was an awesome, awesome journey. You and I have uh, just, we just recorded a, an event called The Awakening that mm -hmm. we're very excited about because a lot of people want to know where we're going in this whole industry. And so we recorded it and we put it out uh, together uh, on Investor Place Media, and that's what we're going to be doing together over the next year, and everyone can can check it out. How do you? What do you think? Like market structures, how are they different in crypto markets and legacy markets? Do crypto markets even have structure? I uh, they do have structure. It's a very different type of structure. Um, it's much more wild west, I would say, than yeah. <laughs> than your typical legacy market structure. Um, but that's for the better because sometimes you need a little chaos to bring a better order. Um, you know, when you have an incumbent and you have a situation and a process that uh, has been in place for a long time, uh, people get complacent. Uh, they don't look for disruption. They don't look to change or improve the situation. Um, and sometimes you need a little bit of wild west action to make things better. And that's what the crypto markets are right now. They look like the wild west. You have 10% moves higher one day, 20% drawdowns the next 40% rallies the next. Uh, it feels like the wild west to a lot of old school investors, but what it's trying to do, what this new order is trying to do is basically enable more liquidity enable more flexibility and democratize opportunities for retail investors to engage in what are, you know, life-changing investments and not just hold those opportunities for, for a select few of, of smart money folks and hedge funds and private investors. So I think that the, the intention of this wild west sort of market structure in cryptos is very, very good. And it will not be the wild west forever. Uh, it will actually end up being a, a new order that I think is much fairer, freer, and faster. How, like, was there a, a, was the stock market Wild West at a certain time? What type of, I guess, you know, not, not to the, that's a great question, Charlie. And I would say, yes. I mean, you know, the old school movies, uh, like Trading Places, right? Uh, Eddie Murphy, where they're in the pit and they're, you know, screaming out for pork futures and whatnot. So there definitely was a Wild West uh, era to, to stock market trading and bond market trading, but not to the extent that the crypto market is. And that's because of the internet, right? Mm. Access to investment opportunities um, in the stock market back when it was very early uh, were few and far between. Um, rich folks who had a lot of money and had access to the market were the only ones trading. Whereas today, because of the internet, all you have to do is open up a Coinbase account and boom, you're in the crypto markets. Um, so because of that, access is democratized thanks to the internet. 
And that is causing a more Wild West environment um, today in the crypto market than there was in the stock market back in the early days. But make no mistake, the stock market did have its Wild West era, did find an order, and did find stability and equilibrium. And the crypto market should do the exact same in the coming years. But again, because there's more liquidity at this point in time, the new order that's established will have a placeholder or a seat at the table, if you will, for a lot more folks. At the end of the day, we all want to make a lot of money for ourselves and our family. And mm -hmm. increasing the amount of... So a lot of people are looking at right now where we are in, in, in the crypto space. We just had this like maybe month off of cool off period going from $60,000 of Bitcoin. I'll use Bitcoin because the whole, all of the altcoins and the whole cryptocurrency market kind of follows that, you know, goes down from, from 60 to 30,000 then now sitting a little under 40. Um, when you look at all this, you have two, two camps, right? You have the camp that says more regulation, uh, more turning crypto, global crypto into the stock market will increase the capital pools and everyone will make money because everything will go up because there'll be simply more money now. You know, crypto will go from a $2 trillion total amount of money locked in right now, which is all it is. Total $2 trillion is not a lot of money to potentially $20 trillion. So everything 10Xs. There's the camp that believes that. So as long as you're, you know, in things that are not scams and you're going to do well, then there's a lot of people who believe that crypto needs to stay decentralized exchanges, needs to stay like not connected to the legacy financial world in order to have the maintain all those crazy opportunities. Which which boat are you in? Right. So I think either. as yeah, well, as is the case with most things, right? The the truth is neither extreme. It's often a balance of the two. Yeah. It's some medium of the two. Um, and that's where I think uh this debate lies in the long term. The answer lies. You know, we what good is a breakthrough technology, a game-changing technology, if only the few can use it and only the few can tap into it? By the same, you know, token, uh, no you pun have intended. some very... Yeah, what's up? No pun yeah, intended. No, yeah. no pun intended. Uh, you have some very legitimate arguments that if bigger money comes into it and bigger players come into it and more central authorities come into it, you are going to compromise the integrity of the original system and the you know, original intentions of what crypto was set out to be. But there's a way to do that, to introduce this big money, to democratize the opportunities of cryptocurrencies, democratize blockchains, so that it can create applications that actually help the world and not just a few hundred thousand, a few million people. Um, there's a way to do that without compromising the integrity of the system. And I think that's where you're seeing a lot of innovative new projects spring mm. up. You know, that's where the innovation in cryptos happens is. And that's why you think, you know, you look at cryptos as they are today. I mean, it's an evolution. These are technologies that are evolving. It's not just a, you know, set it and forget it type situation. You have your your, your blockchain 1.0 and then you have an iteration on top of that, an evolution, a blockchain 2.0, a blockchain 3.0. And these, these technologies are going to continue evolving over the next decade to account for things such as, big money coming into it and trying to influence it in a way that may not be uh, for the best uses. And I think that as the technology continues to evolve, it will handle these new challenges and continue to keep cryptocurrency the way it should be and the way it has always meant to be. Um, and those projects are the ones that I think folks should be most interested in and invested in today because those are the projects that will succeed in the long run. The ones that will democratize opportunity 
while still staying true to the core cryptocurrency cause. What type? Wow, that, it's it's such a, a straight through and through ethos, too. And it's, it feels like you can follow, you can kind of look for that. You can look at crypto projects, you can look at stocks kind of in the same way and say, what, what are they doing? What are they building? What technology are they doing for the future? Uh, and things like that. Do you ever look at is, you know, when you're picking a stock, do you ever look at, and this is kind of a weird question, do you look at like the, how many shares are out there and, and, and what, what the company, how they, they treat their uh, stock and the relationship between the company and the investor itself versus like when you're looking at a crypto, we're looking at the token economics, how many total tokens in supply, what the market cap is. Does that really have a relationship in crypto so much? Or should it? Should we are we focusing on the wrong thing? Yeah. So I think people are, I mean, they are focused on that a lot. Um, and I don't think that's where the focus really should be. Just as the focus is not that in the stock market, when you look at a company, you're not looking so much at its outstanding share count and potential dilution. Those are definitely things to factor in and things to worry about and things to put on your radar mm. and incorporate into your analysis. But it's not the driving force of the value of a company or the value of a stock. Um, you know, innovation is the company's ability to continually innovate and create new products and services that add value to consumers' lives and therefore add economic value to the company. That's the driving force of value of a company or a stock. And so I think investors focused in the crypto market should be the exact same because in the long run, 5, 10, 15 years, the crypto markets will shake out exactly like the stock market. Yes. And yes. so if that is true, which I know you and I firmly believe is true, then the focus should be on the actual underlying project itself, its technical capabilities, and its ability to influence lives in a positive manner over the next five to 10 years. If a project does that, then it will generate significant economic value in the long run. And that's why when my team and I look at these opportunities, yes, we're looking at the token economics. Yes, we're looking at the share count. Yes, we're looking at the money out there. But those are more tangential and ancillary analysis pieces for us. Whereas the core focus is on you know, the white papers, what's actually happening with the tech, who are the developers, what are they developing, why are they developing it, and what is the potential economic value add of what they are developing. If those answers all come out as checks, then we have a project that has a lot of economic potential in the long run because it will make people's lives better. And things that make people's lives better are things people are things that people are going to use, which in turn will generate lots of economic value for the shareholders of that thing. No, and you're and we're putting our money where our mouth is. Over the last year, you and I have helped tens of thousands of people. You know, we have our subscribers at the Crypto Investor Network at Investor Place. We and they're all up on the portfolio and everyone. And, and then so I look at, and then what we're doing now is we're taking how you, how you and your team have so successfully picked stocks and we're, and we're applying that now to, to crypto. You know, and I look at a lot of the stocks that have, that you've picked that have had some of these crazy returns. I'm not trying to toot your horn here. Um, you know, Shopify, Tesla, NIO, Chegg, advanced micro devices, the thing, AMD, the thing is like, you look at them now and these are all like staple companies. It's like, you could take all these companies, put them into like a staple fund. It's like this fund will never, it's almost like, how could you not have looked at these companies? And, but when you looked at them, no one was really, and that's why they've been so successful. 
So what do you look at other other than the technology and the the product? Because like, I'm trying to figure out how we can continue to grow and do better for our subscribers too. Is should we? What else can we look at when we're doing research? Should we look at team? Should we look at uh, revenue ability? Like there has to be common threads that we can figure out together. Right, right. So there's, you know, to to your point there, there's a saying on uh, amongst my team, and that is, if you're on the same side of the street as everybody else, you're on the wrong side of the street. And that's because if you are invested in the thing that everybody thinks is going to be great, that everybody agrees is going to be awesome, then that thing, whether it's a stock or a crypto or a project or a private investment opportunity, whatever it is, that thing is priced to take over the world because everybody agrees on it, right? All the money is already there. Everybody agrees. So the upside is inherently limited. You want to be on the opposite side of the street as most people. And that's where, you know, you yourself found yourself in, in yeah. 2011. You found yourself there in 2018. I mean, consistently you find yourself there. And it's when you find yourself on that wrong side of the street is when you buy, because that's when you have the massive upside returns. And we've seen it again and again in the crypto markets. And that's where I found my success in the names you mentioned, like Neo and Chegg and AMD. You know, when I found those companies, nobody thought they were going to be big. AMD was on the verge of bankruptcy in 2015 when I was pounding on the table saying, hey, this is going to be a company that comes out with the next gen CPU that's going to rival Intel and is going to take over significant market share from, from that, you know, multi-hundred billion dollar giant. Um, Chegg was this textbook rental company that was struggling and struggling and struggling. But I was a user of its service, actually, and realized that the company was pivoting to this online subscription model and said, hey, you got to get with this because that online subscription model is going to be huge. And then guess what? It ended up being huge. So you have to find yourself on the side of the street that most people are not on. And when you do that, you position yourself for asymmetric opportunities that will really, really, really maximize your upside return potential. So with that in mind, when you, when you turn to the crypto markets, you talk about, okay, where is everybody looking right now? Well, there are certainly a lot of people still on the side of the street that cryptos are never going to be a thing. So just by inherently being in the crypto market, you are securing your place on the right side of the street, which is the side of the street a lot of people are not on. But even within the crypto market itself, a lot of people are on the side of DeFi, right? You know, that's Bitcoin. That's what Bitcoin's all leading. But there's a lot of other applications here, you know, and dApps, decentralized applications that I think a lot of people sure. are sleeping on. And that's where you have a lot of upside potential. Um, and so that's where we're focusing a lot of our time. And we're actually a lot of our recent picks in our, in our product are, Charlie, as you know, or in that sort of decentralized application realm that a lot of people we believe are sleeping on, but which has tremendous long-term upside potential. You guys checking out the Summer Olympics in Tokyo? It's on right now. And the awesome folks at BitCasino and Coin Gaming are giving away amazing Bitcoin bonuses and cash prizes. These guys have been our sponsor for over a year, always giving away so many free things to all of my listeners. So go check them out, the BitCasino All-Star team. From now until August 8th, you can unlock rotating prizes, free spins, cash incentives, Bitcoin bonuses when you complete their daily missions. All you got to do is head to my Olympics promo page. If you go to untoldstories.link forward slash BitCasino, just go there all the time. Untoldstories.link forward slash BitCasino. We're always giving things away there. We just gave away three Teslas a few months ago. Now during the Olympics, there's going to be a BitCasino all-star team giving away a lot of cool stuff happening. It's a lot of fun. I love doing it. 
Thank you guys so much for making Untold Stories possible. I love you. This is a friendly public service announcement reminding you guys that if you're using Uniswap or OneInch or any of these other decentralized exchanges, you shouldn't be. You should be using our awesome sponsor, PowerSwap, because PowerSwap is a decentralized aggregator that sits on top of all of these different other decentralized exchanges to give you the maximum liquidity. But not only do they work on Ethereum, but now they work on Polygon and Binance Smart Chain. So you can do all of these type of crazy swaps, defining, you know, going from one token to another, to USDC, to USDT, uh, to wrapped Bitcoin, to all these different coins and tokens, all do it in a decentralized way. Furthermore, they're now integrated in the Ledger Live platform. I love these guys. I've been using PowerSwap for over a year now because you save all of those transaction fees every time you have to hit one of these blockchains for like approving your MetaMask or sending a transaction. PowerSwap like brings it all together. You predefine everything and then you hit submit on the smart contract platform and it does it all in one shot for you. So you can check them out at untoldstories.link forward slash PowerSwap. Thank you guys for making my show an amazing one. That's untoldstories.link forward slash PowerSwap. The next level, because a lot of people are looking at these uh, uh, random uh, tokens or investments as ones that um, are being built, but we're looking at ones where other people are going to be built on top of ours, exactly. next level applications. Um, but you said something great, and I'm like really happy I bit my tongue and I didn't interrupt you because I have a problem doing that <laughs> all the time. Trusting your gut. What did you just say? Text? No one would ever think to invest in a textbook rental company. But you were there using it, and then you realized, wow, no one's looking at this, but I love this. Most people would never trust their own selves. They would say, you know what they would say? I say it every day to myself. Well, if other people don't know about it, then why, should, then why, why would I know about it? Why am I so smart? But you are. You are. Everyone listening to this show has the opportunity to, to pick their own moonshot. Just trust mm -hmm. yourself and trust your gut. Use, make investments in the things that you already are using today that no one else knows about. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. Because I love that, you know, like, like I said, I mean, you, you cannot get, here's the thing about the stock market and the crypto markets is everybody gets so caught up in the day-to-day -day noise because there's such liquid markets, right? The markets are moving every day. There's so much volatility. There's so much liquidity. There's so much money coming in and out. And everybody's worried, oh my God, Bitcoin's down 20%. Oh my God, Ethereum's down 15. Oh my God, it's up 20, right? Everybody's so caught up in those movements. And if you zoom out, because everybody was also caught up in those movements back in 2014 oh, yeah. and back in 2018. And if you zoom out and you look at the 10-year chart of Bitcoin or Ethereum, those big moves, supposedly big moves that everybody was freaking out about in 2014 and 2018, look like nothing more than little squiggles on the chart today. They are completely invisible. And that's the wow. point is that you cannot get caught up in this interim volatility because if you're invested in game-changing technology and game-changing platforms, you're in it for the long run. You're in it for a five, seven, 10-year window on the assumption that in that five, seven, 10-year window, all the volatility happening today in that long-term chart will look like nothing but squiggles. And that paid off for early Bitcoin investors, early crypto investors. It played off for early technology investors. And it's going to pay off in the future, too, because the, the, the chart that we're talking about, you know, we're probably in the second or third inning of this game, maybe even the first inning. But the point being that there is a lot of innings left to play in the cryptocurrency revolution. 
And when all is said and done, all the volatility we're seeing today, even Bitcoin going from 60 to 30, that's going to look like nothing but a squiggle on a chart when Bitcoin's up at 500 or 600 or 700 in the next five to 10 years. And everybody's going to be like, why were we freaking out about Bitcoin going from 60 to 30 back in 2021? You oh know, my God. It's going to be the same yeah. story. Well, that's, that's actually perfect because you talk about something like this uh, frequently about letting your winners ride in crypto and in stocks. Mm -hmm. Why do we always fail to do that? Why do we sell too early? And how is that so detrimental to yeah. like our future? You know, it, it's because of the liquidity in the markets. I mean, it's human reaction to look at a stock going up and down every day and have a visceral reaction to that or a crypto going up and down and have a visceral reaction to that, right? You're not alone in doing that. Professional hedge fund managers do it all the time. And that's why they actually suck at their job. You know, hedge fund guys are going to get you 10% return a year, which is going to barely beat the market, maybe even match the market. Sure. And you're paying them 20% to do that. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. And the reason they suck at it is because it's a human reaction to see things go up and down and respond to it. I got to respond. I got to respond. I got to respond. But if you look at VC investors, and this is where I think we need to be like venture capitalists. If you look at VC investors, VC funds are returning 20% a year. That's double the hedge fund. And you compound that year after year, and you're starting to look at a huge delta yeah. in performance. Now, why are they able to do that? VC guys are not better than hedge fund guys. VC guys are not you know, smarter or anything. The difference is the liquidity. There is no liquidity in or the Or lack markets. thereof, yeah. So they have to exactly. they sell for years. There is no liquidity. You know, you you oh, set it so and forget smart. it. You 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 invest in a company, in an early stage company, because you believe it has game changing technology. You believe it's going to influence the world in a positive way and generate enormous uh, long term economic value. And then you just back out and you let all this noise, economic data report to Amazon accepting Bitcoin, China cracking down on mining, whatever it may be, just back out that noise, focus on the trend, that single trend that you believe is going to change the world. Stick to your gut, as you said, and guess what? This the data shows, the track record proves you're going to make a lot more money than the folks that are just losing their head and running around like a chicken without its head cut off or with its head cut off, trying to time yeah. the market and beat all these little different headline news events. Just forget all that noise, stick with the underlying technology, and you are going to be way better in the long run than the folks that get caught up in the noise. And so, say that's going to happen in the crypto market. So that that's that's yeah. where I'll say things there. It's so funny because the tokens and the coins that I've done well on are the ones that have like forced me to vest after a year and a half, two years right. where you can't sell. And so like you really, this is the first time in 207 episodes that I've had a good understanding of why liquidity is good, but also liquidity can be bad because liquidity mm -hmm. can force you to not stay loyal to the project. And humans, we are so imperfect. Realizing our imperfection will, when we will all like consciously say we are per imperfect, that's when we, we will become perfect and we'll never be able to do that. So it's like <laughs> this common, yeah, it's like this common, our imp I, I have this, you know, the belief about, about energy and, and the world and everything that we live in. Um, mm -hmm. You brought up yields in the traditional market, 10%. Okay, so like, um, I've heard of this thing called the 4% rule where if you have a million dollars in the stock market, your average return is 9%. So you can take out 4% a year, live off that, and then you'll continue to make that other 5% and it compounds or whatever. This is in like the FIRE mm. movement, the uh, yep, financial yep. independence, retire early. 
mm-hmm. I don't like the four percent rule. Who wants to live off four percent? I like the eight percent rule. I want to live off eight percent. You know, in crypto, you can get twelve to fifteen percent yield, safe, similar to to where in the traditional markets you're getting that nine ten percent yield. Are yields drying up in traditional markets? Is that money going to go towards crypto, where it's like the money can be used more efficiently? Um, probably. I mean, yeah. you, you we're living in a crazy seeing... inflationary time too. Yeah. So I'm, I, and so, you know, on the inflation topic, it, and that's where I think people really gotta, gotta back out and, and forget the noise is, you know, it's our opinion that a large driver of the move down in Bitcoin from 60 to 30 and the drawdown in the entire crypto market is that a lot of people flooded the crypto markets in early 2021 on the expectations that inflation was going to roar and they use it as a hedge against inflation. And that makes a lot of sense because digital gold, right? All of a sudden, it's starting sure. to become the real digital gold. People buy gold as a hedge against inflation, so they're going to buy the digital gold as a hedge against inflation. But inflation expectations have come down dramatically over the past two or three months because the economic recovery, the reopening is slowing, it's maturing. Um, there, there are certain risks to the, to the growth trajectory going forward. So inflation expectations have come down, yields have come down. And as they have, we think a lot of money that came into the crypto market as a hedge against inflation in the early in early 2021 has now left the market. And as I say that to you, my two cents is how silly is that? Sure. Right. I mean, if you're going to trade cryptos based on their hedge ability against inflation, then you don't get the big picture. Right. You don't get the big picture of the fact that the blockchain technology these coins and tokens are built on top of have the power to disintermediate multi-trillion dollar economic systems across the globe to create freer, fairer, and faster access to goods and services for people. That's a story here. It's not hedgeability against inflation. So if you're going to get caught up in the hedgeability against inflation, then you're going to lose money because you do not understand where the actual driver That's the wrong side of the street. Is. That's the wrong exactly. side of the street. That's the wrong side of the street. Exactly. And that's the thing is you read all about inflation in the mainstream media, right? That's where everybody is right now. You want to be on the other side of the street from everybody. And that's the side of like, I don't care about any of that stuff. Inflation is going to do what it's going to do. Cryptos are still going to do what they're going to do too, regardless of how inflation plays out. Cryptos are going to continue to create these new economic systems that you and I have talked about time and time again. Um, and that doesn't matter if inflation is at 2% or 500%. These systems are going to continue to emerge and continue to change the world. So you got to forget the noise. Um, but back to your question about yields. And yeah, I mean, with the, with the way inflation and everything's playing out, yields in the traditional stock market, traditional financial markets, the bond market, they are drying up. And I think people are looking for income in separate places. And uh, crypto markets are definitely one place you you can get that yield. You know, you the way you just explained, you know, the the way the way you just explained kind of the how we're looking at the wrong narrative um, really is a very good way to explain why crypto is the future to people. Because if you if you look at it um, in a way, humanity is not changing in the way of like why we do things you know, why we feel about things. We're not changing like our, there's, there's no fundamental shift in the belief and idea about money. Sure, it's happening on a small scale, but if you get up, if you get caught up in that too much, you will th- start to think of like, like Bitcoin and cryptos as magic internet money and this hocus pocus thing. But if you look at what you kind of just said, uh, and to, I'm going to add on to it a little bit, 
This is open so open source software that all Satoshi did was figure out a way to have be able to build all of the software that we are using today that powers the world, that you can rebuild that same exact software without having a single point of failure or redundancy, where the risk is spread between all of the operators and users. So it's like a soft landing rather than a hard landing for software. And there's a huge value in that. So if all we do, if all we do, Luke, if all we do is just rebuild the same shit, but on these new rails and do the same thing on these new rails, I mean, we're talking about a fundamental shift still. It's like huge. Mm -hmm. That's kind and that, of like and where that's, I look at and that's, and that's exactly what's going to happen. And I mean, it's a generational thing. I mean, if honestly, if, if you go out to, to the mainstream media or CNBC or wherever, and you look at the people bashing Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, um, chances are yeah. they're, they're, they're much older folks who don't understand yeah. exactly what's, what's going on with, with technology and how the world's rapidly changing. But you go out to a bar and uh, you, <laughs> you talk to anybody at a bar that's you know in the ages of 20 to 40, um, they're going to get it and they're going to understand it and they're about it and they're with the movement. And so it really is just a matter of time. I mean, that's the future, you know, where the, that demographic is the future. It's just only a matter of time before that demographic consumes all of the purchasing power in the world. And at that point in time is when cryptocurrencies truly have a, a global takeover of sorts. You know, on that note, it was, it was it. really funny to speak about the popularity of cryptos among, uh, among younger folks. Is I remember when I was in Baltimore about two or three months ago when um, Elon Musk was uh, bashing um, Bitcoin. Um, and the environmental uses and whatnot. Um, there was, I was up at a bar in Baltimore and there was this group of maybe, you know, eight or nine, you know, 25, 30 year olds. And they made a toast and they were like, the toast was screw Elon Musk. And then they, and they took their <laughs> shot. And I was like, that's, that's hilarious. And you know, that's funny because Elon is a God to a lot of people, but crypto is a God to a lot of people too. It's a religion. And um, yes. it's funny to see which takes precedence over the other. And I, I'm seeing in my in my daily life, because uh, I talk to a lot of the people involved in the industry, that um, people really firmly believe in what cryptocurrencies can do, not just from an economic standpoint, from a societal standpoint and making yes. life better for so many people. Um, that if you want to stand in the way of that movement, then you're going to stand in the way of that movement and no one's going to really follow you. And you're going to have to deal with the fact that the future is happening right now and if you're in the way of it, you're going to get crushed. Humans, on the most basic level, will always look towards a centralization of, of power and, and mm -hmm. risk hedging. And you look at it from the basic of your family unit. There's always one person in the family unit who does more, who has more responsibility. There's more risk from that person and who has to ha carry a little bit more weight. That's, and then you look at that from a business perspective of a company, governments, religion. There's always going to be a human that's in our, our DNA. There's this like, because a lot of times we want to hedge our own risk. And if there's someone else in our boat, you know, that's sinking, that could take a little bit more of that risk than, you know, then we're going to do that. But with, and this is why it's such a societal sh shift now that when you incorporate crypto and the technology into all of these different facets of our life, it's like a, backstop against that centralization it it kind of pulls back and says whoa 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 it's getting a little bit too centralized 
needs to pull back a little bit here. It's the like, mm -hmm. and, and that's why when you bring up Elon Musk, when, when our industry has almost very quickly had a leader, you know, from Craig Wright to Elon Musk to anyone who has tried to take over Bitcoin, the, in, the Bitcoin itself and crypto, because of it's built into the technology itself, has, would always push that person away and that person would become the anti-hero. It's a weird, real, weird, weird, weird thing to kind of investigate and understand. And that's why I really believe, and we see it. I mean, the social experiment has been playing out over the last decade. It's really, how much fun is it? It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Luke, yeah, I mean, I think you bring up, I mean, humans are always going to tend towards centralization. Yeah. Um, and, but that centralization doesn't need to be provided by a person or a, um, uh, a group of people. Right. And that that's the fundamental shift. Right. Is you can have centralization without having a central arbiter take your money or yes. freedom. Um, yes. And that that was not possible before Satoshi, before blockchain, before Bitcoin. The only way that we had Facebook was because Facebook ran Facebook and they took your data and sold ads with your data. The only reason we had Google is because they did the exact same thing. The only reason we can have a government is because they take our taxes and there's a collect, you know, the story goes on and on and on for centuries, for millennia, we have only created trustworthy systems out of innately untrustworthy people with a central arbiter an authority, a system of people that create a structure. Great. Allows for organization. Yeah, down exchange, from our family unit to the to the whole business. It's everywhere. Exactly. But in so exchange for providing that, they take something. They either take money or they take our liberties. Sometimes they take both, right? They take something. For the first time ever, blockchain allows us to create these systems, these trustworthy systems, to have the organization that humans innately crave without having that central arbiter take our money or our freedom or anything else, and instead having a technology platform that is agnostic, that is free, that is fair, that is fast, provide that structure without taking anything. And that's the beauty of the blockchain. And if you fail to see the way that impact positively impacts society as a whole and allows everybody just a better chance at success, right? So just, you know, backing out, I'm a huge believer and you can't promise a quality of outcome, but you can promise a quality of opportunity. Blockchain is the basis for a quality of opportunity. Yep. And if we can successfully integrate the blockchain across all applications from finance to social media, to music streaming, so on and so forth, then we create a quality of opportunity for people who don't have bank accounts, we create a quality of opportunity for music artists who are getting ripped off by the music industry. We create a quality of opportunity for uh, aspiring actors and actresses yes. who either have to work way up the Netflix ladder and or have to sleep with somebody in Hollywood to get up. You know, that was a huge scandal for a long time. So what blockchain does is it promises a quality of opportunity for all different sorts of people. And that's I why that. I don't get the people that want to root against blockchain or root against Bitcoin. Because why would you want to root against a belief that the world can be better? And that's what blockchain enables. That's what blockchain is at its core. And I really, I, I, I don't get people who want to root against it. No, I don't get it um, either. 
like you're going to make money on the short side for six months. Congratulations. You're rooting against society. It, do, it doesn't make sense to me. And I really believe in the progress of humanity, the progress of people, the ability for people to create better systems as time goes on. And blockchain is just the make evolution cry. of that. Yeah, it's so true. It's it's the, that belief and the reason is why I got involved and most people got involved. And it's a really beautiful way of taking that early crypto anarchist uh, uh, subculture you know, cypherpunk subculture that we had very early on and bring it kind of bring it back because that's what it really was all about. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of people, uh, so, so, so beautiful. And so for the listeners who want to actually, um, listen to us more and watch us more, you and I have been, we live in, you live in California, I live in Florida, but we've been spending our time in Maryland together. Um, and we're going to be spending like every month together recording tons of different episodes and masterclasses and series and and putting out our research reports together at the Crypto Investor Network Research Service. Um, anyone can go to InvestorPlace.com and to read and check it all out. But um, no, I'm freaking looking forward to this because we've done it for so many people together and separately for so many years that I think now we'll be on the right side of bringing out millions of people uh, from, like you said, from the ability, you know, to ability to give themselves that freedom to do whatever they want when they want to do it and how they want to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a network effect, you know, I mean, it, it was, you had a couple dozen people back in 2011, you had a couple thousand in 2016 and, and now you have millions here and uh, tens of millions in 2021. Um, and we're going to be talking billions at 2025. Um, it. you know, this, it's just this inevitable network effect that keeps growing and growing and growing. And, um, you know, one thing I like to think about the way the way I look at it is the same people who believe in AI, robotics, cloud computing, you know, the future, Kathy Wood, Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, are the same people who believe in cryptocurrencies. Yep. That is not a coincidence. So I think in saying that you do not believe cryptocurrencies are the future is the same as saying you don't believe AI is the future. It's almost that silly. And I think that, you know, with all these forward thinking people believing in the cryptocurrency revolution, the same way with the same, you know, sort of belief and conviction that they believe in the AI revolution or the EV revolution uh, is a telltale sign that this is an inevitable future. And we are at a tipping point right now where you can either give up because the crypto markets have had a bad six months, or you can double down because the crypto markets didn't have a great 10 years. You know, there's this, there's this quote that I like to repeat to myself anytime the markets have a downtrend. And that is, you know, pain is temporary. It may last a minute or a day or a week or even a year, but eventually it will pass. Yep. But if you quit, it's going to last forever. And so for the people who sell Bitcoin here because they bought it at 60 are going to forever feel a 50% loss in their account. But the folks who hold on to it because they believe in it, because they know that it's the future, are going to see that go from 30 back to 60 to 100 to 200 to 300 
and the pain will subside and it will be replaced by long-term gains. So that that's kind of how I want to want to leave, leave this discussion. And the fact that you have to stick with your gut because your gut, if you are invested in things like cryptocurrencies, your gut is probably right. Luke Lango, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on untold stories today. That was, that was brilliant. That was amazing. Hey, of course, Charlie, it's great to be here. Um, I'm very, very much looking forward to working with you uh, more closely with Crypto uh, Investor Network. And I think that we have a lot of exciting times ahead. Can't wait oh, to yeah. see you again. Uh, can't wait to see you at your holiday party. You have a pretty good oh, holiday yeah, party. Oh, yeah, Christmas Eve. It's going to be amazing. Best holiday party. Now people are going to be emailing me. Want to come. If you're in Florida, our Christmas Eve party is, is epic. And so everyone's invited. Charlie, Charlie makes uh, it's a great be Santa. Great. That's what I hear. No, we have a real Santa, though. <laughs> real Santa and his and Mrs. Claus is coming this time. Oh, it's the whole family. Yeah, the whole family. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Alrighty, great, Charlie. Thank you so much for having me today.